Genre. Welcome, true believers and newcomers alike. Welcome back to Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate the Spider-Man movies one somber morning minute at a time. I'm Zach Luna. I'm Scott Corelli. And uh, today we come sort of with uh, sad tidings for this, Mm -hmm. I guess we'll call it a special episode of the podcast. Yeah. Uh, Uh, An unexpected uh, hiatus episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean... uh, I'm I'm sure if you are the type of person who listens to this podcast, you've already heard the news. Um, but we're here today to discuss the uh, the fact that a legend, uh, Mr. Stan Lee, has passed uh, today earlier at uh, at a hospital here in Los Angeles. Um, he's 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 gone. The uh, co-creator of Spider-Man, yeah, Stan Lee. It's uh, Stan Lee is such a legendary, iconic figure that. You know, in a way, like it, it's weird that he's gone because it's it's like hard to even really comprehend a world where yeah. he doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, I mean, you know, and I think he's gonna he's gonna be a bit like, um, you know, Alfred Hitchcock and mm-hmm. and and sort of characters, real life characters, entertainment characters like that, where, um, you know, they're kind of never gone even when they are because they leave behind this body of work that will be uh, remembered forever and that they themselves were such a personality that, um, you know, everyone knows what Alfred Hitchcock looks like, you know, (laughs) and and, and acts like and sounds like. Everyone knows what Stan Lee looks and sounds like. Yeah. And I think that will be the case probably forever. Totally. I mean, it's hard to be more uh, fundamentally immortalized or as close as you can um than somebody like stan lee at this point i mean he is uh he what there was like an, an onion article going around today and um i always <laughs> <laughs> it's a good onion it article. was a good one i i don't want to miss uh, quote the title but it was something along the lines of uh uh stan, stan lee the creator of the marvel character stan, stan lee, lee yeah. died the, today yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cre- creator of beloved marvel comics character stan lee yeah. which is totally valid i yeah. mean he is he you know, I don't think there's anybody better at uh, self-promotion than Stan in his own, um, you know, uh, delightful way. But that he has become a larger-than-life figure, like almost like a Mickey Mouse or something. Not yeah. even like just a oh, a guy people know about. He was the face of Marvel, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's to the degree where. I mean, I've been getting texts today with people asking me like, "How are you handling the news about Stanley passing and all that?" And again, it's. I've been kind of buffered by the fact that he's 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 living on already. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the fact the thing that struck me was that like my mom texted me 
to like tell me, oh, here's a, a thing, you know, I heard Stanley passed and here's a thing about this. I'm mm-hmm. like, I love my mom and she tolerates like my uh, <laughs> weird nerd uh, things and all that, but she's not an expert in them. She doesn't know things about comic books and, uh, you know, superheroes and whatnot. And she knows who Stanley is. Yeah. She, it, it reached her sphere of influence. And not only did she know about it, she sat down with her, her husband to watch a like PBS doc about him today. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they thought that was a good use of their time. Like that's how big his imprint was on the culture. Mm-hmm. My mom knew. My mom. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's been, um, it's been especially weird for me uh, because I've been, uh, for for reasons I can't really get into, I've been researching Stanley a yeah, lot, yeah, um, like a lot <laughs> lately, and uh, uh, it, it's so this happening was just, I mean, it's 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 just bizarre. Yeah, uh, it's it's really it's really really bizarre. Um, but you know, it's one of the things that like when you when you look into the life of stanley stanley never meant to break into comics like that's right. not what he wanted to do he wanted to write the great american novel the mm-hmm. next great american novel um his favorite book of all time is the great gatsby and he wanted to write the next great gatsby and in failing to write the great the next great american novel he instead co-created the great american myth yeah which is oh. insane <laughs> completely insane i mean talk about failing upwards right, like yeah. accidentally revitalizing pop culture entirely yeah yeah like um i, I there, there's an emblematic thing that i um saw today when i was looking up some stanley info that he, okay so the reason he went by stanley is that whole uh concept that he he wanted to eventually be you know a, a really well-known like literate real deal literature writer novelist guy and when he published his first story in a comic book, you know, it was a, it was a uh, written thing for a, a Captain America before he was editor-in-chief at Marvel, before he was a regular writer. But he decided to go by a pen name because he was like, well, I'll save my real name, uh, Stanley Martin Lieber, for my, my big, cool novel that I'll do later. So that's step one, right, is that Stanley created this pen name because... Not that he was ashamed of comics, but that he it wasn't what his real focus was. So that's why he went by Stanley instead of his real name. And then later in life, he legally changed his name to Stanley mm-hmm. because it had it had become his true legacy. Mm-hmm. And I like there's something there's something about that story, the idea that like okay, I'm not I'm not going to put my real name on this thing. I don't really think it's a big deal. And then realizing the scope of the thing you've created and then legally changing your name to that thing. Yeah. Well, and I I think part of it has to do with, he was always a big believer in not writing other people's things, in Mm -hmm. making your own way and and doing your own thing. And um, it's... You know, it's it's was sort of like that last ditch effort that that idea of like comics were going under and he didn't know what to like timely was going under. And yeah. it, it just he was like, I, I'm not I'm going to have to find another job. And it was it was his wife who told him like, OK, well, if you got nothing else to lose, then, you know, write the one comic you've always wanted to write and <sighs> and and get that done. Um, before you go out. And he was like, you know what? You're right. And so he went to Jack Kirby and together they created the Fantastic Four. And 
that's the, I mean, the, the rest is history. Happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and he was already using the Stan Lee pen name before that, but because he used that Stan Lee pen name on Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. Fantastic Four was everything that he wanted it to be. It was a huge success. And then all of the things that he created after that, Spider-Man, X-Men, Black Panther, Thor, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, uh, Incredible Hulk, Daredevil, Ant-Man, all of these things, the Avengers, yeah. all of these things were massive hits. And so at that point, he sort of grew into that name. You know, it was yeah. it was a name that he was avoiding because he wasn't working on his own stuff. But once he was and was still using that name, you know, he was like, well, this is, yeah, this actually does represent me now. So let's go for it. It's magical. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was, uh, it, it, it was funny even doing, again, I don't know nearly as enough about this as Scott does because, uh, I mean, just in general, Scott has always known more about comics than I do. But <laughs> even doing like, you know, cursory looks at um, some stuff to <laughs> just prepare a little bit or to process this stuff today. Um, the the idea that Stan made a, a concerted effort to okay in this medium of comic books, and now now we're revitalized. You know, Marvel's doing pretty well. I have a a, a clear stated goal that I want the readers to think of us as their friends. That like the the writers and the editors and the and the the, the artists. They should feel like they have a personal relationship with us. It was it's a concept so ahead of its time. Uh, and I think that's that's why he's become such a figure. I mean, and there's nothing cynical about that. Like, oh, I want people to think my I mean my friend. And now, you know, with the, the monthly columns and the people writing in letters and back and forth and stuff like that, he created this feeling of personal interaction with the media you consume that I think was like a template for the thing we're in now everywhere. Um I, I'm amazed by it, and there's a there's a reason that like I scrolled through Facebook today, and pretty much sixty percent of the posts were about Stanley, like mm-hmm. of of the the people I know in my like friend groups, all of them were just trying to come to terms with the fact that like this this guy meant so much to them. Yeah, it was like eighty percent Stanley and twenty percent Detective Pikachu. It's <laughs> a lot of detective. Like before, you know, like noon, it was all Detective Pikachu. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then in the afternoon, it all became Stanley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's like some people who their only interaction with Stanley is through movies. Even mm-hmm. felt it huge because they they love the cameos and they learned enough about it and be like, Oh, this is the guy that created a bunch of these characters. Oh, wow. Yeah. And even that was enough to hit them hard. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how to phrase it. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's insane. And I mean, the man is an absolute legend and, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things to be said about, um, you know, him maybe taking cr- too much credit for things, mm-hmm. but, I've always viewed him uh, taking the credit that he did as not something that he sort of meant to do, but when he was given the credit, he never corrected it because he was like, well, better someone represent this stuff than no one, <laughs> right? you know? Yeah, and, and, yeah. I, and I really truly believe that there, that he knew that like, okay, if I can represent myself as the creator of all of this stuff, I can give it a story and I can make... I can be the person who goes out there and talks about these things and waves that flag. Yeah. I'm the ambassador for this. Right. Yeah. And, and, and by, by doing that, I can hopefully expand this 
uh, medium and and get it more attention and respect yes. um, that than it's currently getting. And I and I really do truly believe that you know that was most of his intention when he would do things like this. And yes. and you know unfortunately, it's. Uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's a catch 22 kind of situation because, you know, you look at, you look at, um, what happened to the artists and, you know, that wasn't pretty, you know, nothing, you know, they never, they didn't get, uh, co-creator credit for a long time. Um, and they, they fought for, you know, money that was owed to them. And all of that was a a disaster. I mean, really, um, and it shouldn't have happened and all of that is bad, but I, I don't, I don't know how much of that is Stanley's fault and how much of that is, um, you know, other people's fault and Stanley just not speaking up when he should have. Right. Um, right. even if he was going to be the ambassador of these things, he should have taken care of, of these other guys of Jack and Steve and, and Johnny and everybody. Um, but, and he didn't, and that's unfortunate, um, really unfortunate, uh, but it's, I, I do believe that, uh, that Stan's intentions were always good. Yeah. Um, even if, uh, they, they didn't always turn out the way that he wanted them to. Right. I think, yeah. You know? I almost feel like there is a, a tendency in, um, in wanting people to, to get their due, um, that like, Oh, these people haven't been given proper credit for so long let's get back around not just on the marvel side but going back to like you know bill finger and batman and whatnot there is a there's Mm -hmm. a common thread now this energy of oh we gotta you know swing the pendulum back this way to give focus to the people who didn't get enough credit that sometimes gets metamorphosized into metastatized whatever the word is sometimes can get twisted to the point of we gotta take away from that stan guy Mm -hmm. and i don't i'm i'm not so in that camp, like right. I, I definitely can totally get people that are like, hey, you know, that Stanley guy, kind of a dick in the early on, like that. Right. Like I get that, but sure. I don't think that I don't believe in any of the like Stanley was like a malicious dude just trying to like steal you know, no credit. Like, no, that's not. That's the that's sort of the legend that it's become, and I I don't I, yeah I'm with you I don't agree with that and yeah. and the the idea that he wasn't doing any work or anything look. um because because like I look I've read I've read other Ditko books I've read other <laughs> other Kirby books right. that they wrote uh and Stanley contributed a lot yeah, um and yeah. and it's and he contributed character because that was that was the thing that they were always Ditko and Kirby were had amazing imaginations. Um, absolutely unbridled, like uh, you, you can't even un, uncomparable yes. imaginations, but they weren't so great at character stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it was Stan who brought all of that. It was, you know, I, I, I truly believe that it was Stan who brought a lot of that to Marvel, that sort of focus on, um, you know, what are these characters like? when they wake up in the morning, what yeah. are they like at breakfast? What are they like at dinner? What you do know, they struggle with? What yeah. do they struggle with? Yeah. And just like that sort of everyday stuff. Uh, I think that all came from Stan trying to humanize these characters. I mean, I, I, I think that he was the reason 
Marvel became uh, not the only reason, but he was a big reason how uh, he I would say he is the reason why Marvel differentiated itself from DC. Yes. Yeah. I think it was because of him. Marvel had a distinct personality. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, because because Jack and Ditko would go on to create amazing things at DC. Yeah. And they were truly DC characters. Uh, in in every aspect of of the word, but it was because of Stan that Marvel became what it is because of his focus on character and struggle and grounding them in this reality that people could uh, uh, compare themselves to. Right. Yeah. yeah. This immediate way of relating to it, and you know, not for nothing. If you just look back at that list again, you know, Spider Man, the X Men, Black Panther, Thor, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, Falcon, the Fantastic Four, the Incredible Hulk, Daredevil, Ant Man. Um, if, if Stan wasn't doing like actual impressive work th- I, that he probably would have had some more, uh, swings and misses there. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's such a, a body of work of creating a bunch of different characters with a bunch of different artists that all land in this, you know, particularly potent part of mm-hmm. the, the cultural sphere mm-hmm. that that doesn't happen accidentally. You don't get that many in a row accidentally. Um, Stan had, you know, he had, he had a, a, a real, you know, beautiful talent at figuring out why people connected with characters mm-hmm. and, you know, he, he's not a subtle guy. He's mm-hmm. not a, you know, like delicate hand, but he, he knew why people connected with these things. Well, and I, yeah. I don't even want to not give him credit as, as being, um, you know, not delicate okay, or subtle fair. because, yeah, right, because, right. because, <laughs> you know, he was writing kids books. Yes. I mean, yes, that's yeah. what these were, you yeah. know, like, let's not forget that, that these were written for children mm-hmm. and he was writing children's characters. So no, he was not a subtle guy when he was writing comics, no. but you know, his wife fell in love with him because he write, wrote poetry. Right. Right. He, he wrote, he wrote poetry and that like caused her to fall in love with him. Yeah. You know, it is poetry. <laughs> he wanted to, um, it was, uh, Scott Derrickson actually posted a, um, a page from a a Dr. Strange script from 1986 that Stan Lee wrote. And he, he put a page down and he was like, he was like, you know, everyone knows sort of Stan's comic book voice. I was like, but he did a Dr. Strange. He wrote a, a script for a Dr. Strange movie. Here's just a page from it. And you read it and it's like, Oh no, this guy could write. Yeah. Like he could write really well. He was doing a, he was writing in a style that became the sort of Stan Lee voice in those comics because that's what sold. (laughs) Yeah. 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 He, you know, you can't get to our current crop of like, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like postmodern deconstruction of all of these like storytelling tropes and like really elaborate and subtle, uh, you know, riffs on uh the concept of heroism and and you know uh, these stories in general you can't get to that place unless somebody laid the foundation mm-hmm. you could, you probably could have started there when these were only read by children so mm-hmm. the fact that he created such you know grounded nuanced interesting characters in that tone in that you know medium for that reading level is is remarkable i mean you, we Fairly recently went back and looked looked at um, some of the early run of Amazing Spider-Man. And mm-hmm. if you just if you just straight up read Amazing Fantasy 15, like the story he did with excuse me, with Ditko, where where they introduced Spider-Man, 
it, it almost feels like a uh, like a Twilight Zone episode or something. Like it's this singular story that is this like fable, and it's a handful of pages long, but it, every page hits hard. It's just it's remarkably slick and and concise and economic and it's um i i had a friend recently that was talking about the influence of spider-man and uh and stanley in general and he just said you know what if if amazing fantasy 15 was the only spider-man story that existed it still would rule like it's still yeah (laughs) yeah well because i mean that's that's the thing that he was always really good at was you know it's one thing to come up with uh, with a character, you know, it's yeah. like, it's like, you know, I want to do, uh, let's, let's create a, a, a Spider-Man <laughs> who's a boy who puts on a thing and he fights crime and he shoots webs like a spider and he crawls on walls like a spider and he does flips and acrobatic things and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right. It's one thing to create that. It's one thing to create the X-Men like, oh, you know, these, he literally created the X-Men because he was tired of creating origins for right. their, for their superpowers. <laughs> like- <laughs> he was just like, oh, this will be a great catch-all. Like, yeah, no, they're just, bo- they, they hit puberty. They get superpowers because they're mutants, whatever. Done. Uh, done. Finished. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, and Thor and, and Iron Man. Oh, it's a guy in an iron suit. And it's a guy who who uh, uh, turns into a monster. And, and the Fantastic Four, it's, it's these uh, explorers with, with powers and, you know, the whole thing. That's one and, level. And each of the right. So you have all of those levels and all of that stuff. A lot of that stuff does come from the artist, right? Yeah. Cause the artist will come up with like, you know, cause the, the concept of the hero goes into the design and all of that. And so it's all kind of uh, cyclical and everything. But what Stan always brought to these characters was not just an origin story of how they got their powers, but why they do what they do, yeah. you know, yeah. with great power, there must always also come great responsibility. He wrote that. He wrote that. He invented that phrase. Yeah. Like, I can't. The idea of, of the X-Men being persecuted and being, uh, uh, you know, mutant, mutant kind being a, an allegory for, you know, the race wars that we were dealing with in the 60s yeah. and all of that. Like that was because he saw that and was like, I don't like that. Yeah. Like, I want to write something about that, but I'm writing these kids books. So... How can I write about that without actually writing about it? Well, Twilight Zone's a thing. Yeah. And they do th- they do these allegory things, so I'm going to do that too. Yeah. And he invents the X-Men that, you know, solves both of those problems for him. <laughs> and and you know, and where they're they're fighting for humanity even though humanity hates them. What a, what a, what an idea. And yeah. when I talk about like an idea or about like writing or or a concept that is so powerful, it's not literally about the suits and Mm -hmm. the powers i mean they're fun they're Mm -hmm. fun but you know suits and powers are nice but the reason people care about spider-man or the reason people you know give a crap who wolverine is is because of the character the person Mm -hmm. what what did they what do they deal with why do we relate to them right and that's the stuff that stan was so great at and it's because it's less visible because it's less tangible or something i think it's hard for some people to recognize that as writing but that's the hardest part of writing it's why batman became such a massive character and still Mm -hmm. is to this day like of all the dc characters batman is by far the most popular oh yeah like it's not even i don't even think it's close close. it's really not even close (laughs) um and and the reason for that is because like until 
you know, fairly recently in the canon of history, mm-hmm. most of the other DC characters, they became superheroes because it's the right thing to do. <laughs> right. Like, that's it. That was their whole justification. Batman was the only one that was like, my parents were killed and I wanted to make sure that no one went through what I did. Yeah. Ever again. Right. Yeah. That is his whole driving force. And it was like Marvel took, learned from Batman that like, that's why people like that character. Not because he looks cool, Mm-mm. not because of he's got gadgets, not because he beats up bad guys. It's because he was a little boy who watched his parents die in an alley yeah. and vowed to never let that happen to anyone else ever again. Right. And, and that is a very golden age sort of, uh, view on things, yeah. right? But yeah. it was still a reason, uh, uh, like what made that character tick. Yes. Whereas, you know, when you looked at Superman back in the day, it was just like, well, I'm here, so I have these gifts. I might as well do good because yeah. it's the right thing to do. Which is beautiful, and also a thing I love. Yeah. Also, oh, I completely. Mean, he's one of my favorite characters. Completely. But there's a different level of personal identification in those early books. Right. Obviously, people have done amazing things with Superman and all oh, sorts yeah. of characters. Yeah, though all of those characters have evolved, and they all They've have... all become real, round, three-dimensional characters now. Yes, but completely. But then, at that point, Stan being like, oh, this is a thing people crave. Right. And we can give it to them in a way that nobody else is focusing on this. Right. So why don't we go hard in the paint for that? They probably didn't say go hard in the paint in 1962, <laughs> but you know. Um, and and that's that's why Marvel became Marvel. That's mm-hmm. it it is you know, it's it's hard to understate how much he did for the landscape of popular culture. I I mean, it's Stan Lee. I also have I had like these two bits that people had um had been posting today that I wanted to read from if I was, if, if that's all right. Sure. Yeah. Him, which was that, you know, Stan would also do, you know, he, he wrote all that promotional copy in the um, stuff and did his like, you know, radio things for Marvel and eventually just became, you know, brand ambassador for Marvel in general. But one of the things I always thought was really charming was the uh, Stan soapbox thing that like monthly column he would do. And uh, there were a couple of them that were floating around today that I just, I they they really spoke to me when we talk about Stan Lee not just as like a writer and a creator but a person like like this so he had one uh, of his of his columns and he said from time to time we receive letters from readers who wonder why there's so much moralizing in our magazines they take great pains to point out that comics are supposed to be escapist reading and nothing more but somehow I can't see it that way it seems to me that a story without a message however subliminal is like a man without a soul. In fact, even the most escapist literature of all, old-time fairy tales and heroic legends, contain moral and philosophical points of view. At every college campus where I may speak, there's as much discussion of war and peace, civil rights and the so-called youth rebellion as there is of our Marvel mags per se. None of us lives in a vacuum. None of us is untouched by the everyday events about us, events which shape our stories just as they shape our lives. Sure, our tales can be called escapist, but just because something's for fun doesn't mean we have to blanket our brains while we read it. Excelsior. Mm. I mean, come on. And that was, what, the 70s, 60s, yeah, 70s? Yeah, 70s. 70s. Like, he, he, was, he was there. I mean, not, not every person that was like a huge you know, influence on culture is going to be perfectly woke by 2018 standards. Um, yeah. But d- dude was in there fighting the good fight. Yeah. I, I can't. He was. He really was. Yeah. He had his, he had his head on straight about these things. 
Jack Kirby too had his head on straight about these things. Yeah. Um, and he had another one that was going around today. Do you want to read this one? I, mean, uh, I might sure. have made some some uh, some transcribing errors. Sure. So it says, uh, okay, let's lay it right on the line. Bigotry and racism are among the deadliest social ills plaguing the world today. But unlike a team of costume supervillains, they can't be halted with a punch in the snoot or a zap from a ray gun. The only way to destroy them is to expose them, to reveal them for the insidious evils they really are. The bigot is an unreasoning hater. One who hates blindly, fantastically, indiscriminately. If his hang-up is black men, he hates all black men. If a redhead once offended him, he hates all redheads. If some foreigner beat him to a job, he's down on all foreigners. He hates people he's never seen, people he's never known, with equal venom. Now we're not trying to say it's unreasonable for one human being to bug another, but although anyone has the right to dislike another individual, it's totally irrational, patently insane to condemn an entire race, to despise an entire nation, to vilify an entire religion. Sooner or later, we must learn to judge each other on our own merits. Sooner or later, if man is ever to be worthy of his destiny, we must fill our hearts with tolerance. For then, and only then, will we be truly worthy of the concept that man was created in the image of God, a God who calls us all his children. I mean, that's... And, and, he, and this is the thing that he would put in a monthly column... For, you know, impressionable readers yeah. at that age. I, I I mean, I think it's it's these Stan Soapbox things that you really get a sense of who who this guy was as a writer, like who he really wanted to right. be as a writer, right. you know? Mm -hmm. Um and and that his Stan Lee voice that he would do in these in, in these comics and things that um you know many people, including myself, early on in my comic reading, I would criticize and make fun of. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you realize that like that's not really that wasn't him. That was a character that he was putting on. It was the Marvel voice. Yes. You know? Uh and it, that in and of itself is an impressive thing. He created that yeah. voice, like that that sort of that sort of voice where the narrator is kind of talking directly to the reader. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you had some of that in in Golden Age stuff, but it wasn't. It always seemed to me that it was more of like a like a like a grand like you know, behold over this thing, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You know, like this, like that was kind of what was going on before this, you know, uh, cut to the flash and he's blah, blah, blah. You right, know, right. it was, it was always that kind of like super frenzy kind of thing. But Stan always felt like the narration boxes in his comics always felt like it was Stan telling you a story. Yeah. And Jack or Steve or John, uh, Johnny Ramita. Yeah. Drawing the pictures. Like, you we're, know? we're in the room with you yeah. as we're talking. Like, th there's a like a, a thing that <laughs> would tickle me, which is that, like, a thing will be happening in the panel. And I used to think it was kind of hokey, but I think it's it's delightful as a device where the narration panel would say, be like, you know, eagle-eyed readers will remember this from such and such uh, mm -hmm. an issue. You yeah. Know? That, like, that he definitely invited. He, he definitely yeah, invented that. that. That, like, I know you're a... I'm not just speaking to a blank wall here. I'm speaking to a person who reads comic books. And I know you know this stuff. If mm -hmm. you don't, if you're real good at this stuff, you might remember this. Hey, we're friends, right? Like that yeah. feeling, 
yes, it's you could call it cheesy. You could say it doesn't fit with the tone of the thing you might want to write. But as a device for like getting people invested in those stories and invested in that relationship between the creators and the audience, it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he was just so efficient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, and I mean, speaking of efficiency, I yeah. mean, you know, we're talking about a man who, at the peak of of Marvel. Uh, would have, uh, you know, four anywhere between like three to five secretaries in his room, in his in his office, mm. dictating scripts, five separate scripts at the same time, <sighs> for five different books. <laughs> I mean, the guy was insane. And I mean, granted, yeah. granted, look, not all of them were winners. No, sure. But- <laughs> this is to to be completely honest. This is the creator of the kangaroo, yeah. one of the uh, one of the one of the uh, greatest Spider-Man <laughs> rogues in history. Um, you know, I, they weren't all winners, but man, when they hit, uh, they hit hard. And and yeah, you know, we we're talking about the origins of all of these of all of these heroes, but he did the same thing with the villains. Yeah. He yeah. did the same thing with the villains. That's something DC never did until Marvel. Yeah. You know, the villains at, at DC were all just like, I hate this guy or I want to rob this bank. Yeah. So I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, and that's it. That's yeah. it. And, and Stan was the, was the guy who created these villains. It was like, they need to have as much of a backstory as the heroes. Yeah. Uh, because they need to be real people too. Yeah. Yeah, if these are stories, they have to be populated with real characters, and characters are people. So let's what what drives these people? Let's get into that. Um, yeah, and that's again, if we're looking back from the like this beautiful wealth of so many different types of stories in the medium that we have now, it can be hard to to see that as novel or creative. It's like, well, I mean, like. I remember watching the Batman the Animated Series and like uh, how much I felt like moved by uh, Mr. Freeze and whatnot. Like this, that's not a Marvel specific thing, but it was at the time. Mm-hmm. We don't get to a place where we have Batman the Animated Series doing these like beautiful things on Clayface if we didn't earlier have a a a version of comic book storytelling that let us care about the characters like people. A hundred percent. And that's that's a stand thing. Let's yeah. be real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to say that he contributed to pop culture history is uh, a bit of an understatement. Yeah. Um, I, I truly believe like uh, America has, has two mythologies that it created Uh, the Western and superheroes. Yeah. Um, those are the two things that it created. And, uh, is that's what it contributed to pop culture was those two things. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and you know, and Stan, created the uh the you know he he created he he evolved the superhero into like sort of modern storytelling yeah yeah he he brought it to not the pinnacle of what it could be but he brought it into the age of what it when it became the best it could be absolutely yeah absolutely um yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll miss him. Um, yeah. Did you ever have like a, a personal interaction with Stanley or did you Um I'm I I I uh, I I mean I never really met him met him. Um I mean I he was at many Comic-Cons that I've been at. Yeah. I've passed by him. Yeah. You know, I've 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 I'm pretty sure that I've I've spoken to him and said like, "Oh, hi Stan." Like the way that 
the way that you do and he probably turned and was uh, and was like excelsior or whatever <laughs> you know because i i definitely didn't see him in his uh in his sadder more elderly days it was it was yeah. um early 2000s when he was still sharp as attack and you know going to the to the cons and it wasn't um it wasn't, you know, kind of sad the way that it sure. got toward the end, you know, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. where it didn't feel like he wanted to be there. He was just there being wheeled out and, and shown off. And right. that was really upsetting. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think that that's it wasn't like that when the last time that I when I was going to cons regularly and he was at like all of them. <laughs> um, Ambassador to the medium. I mean, yeah. Yeah. He yeah. Made it. I, I never, <laughs> I never, um, I never paid for a picture or an autograph or anything like that. Um, mm. just because, you know, in my early twenties, money was tight. And sure. so I wasn't, I wasn't in a place where I could afford that. And of course, now that I am, he's gone, which, which right. kind of sucks, right. but, um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he's just so, he's such a legend, but the thing was about Stan Lee is like, he was everybody's buddy. Yeah. So he was very approachable. Even being this crazy, legendary figure, mm -hmm. he was always very approachable. I never felt, if it wasn't for his security, <laughs> I would never feel like I couldn't just walk up to him and, you know, thank right. him for Spider-Man right. or, or yeah. whatever I wanted to thank him for. Um, and he, uh, the thing that I was, uh, you know, even if I never did that myself, I always watched and saw other people do it yeah. and they would say, thank you for Spider-Man. How many times in his life has he heard someone say, thank you for creating Spider-Man? I mean, millions, yeah. millions of times, tens of millions of times. But in 2005, 2006, 2007, when I saw people go up to his his place, his, his table and mm -hmm. say, thank you for creating Spider-Man. He always held his heart and was like, you're welcome. Like, you know, like and genuinely, yeah, genuinely. Like he just was like, you know, like I, he, you could tell that he took this seriously. Yeah. 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 And, and even in, in the, the later period of his life, when you could argue that it did get uh, sadder that the, you know, the, whatever, uh, managerial machine was around him was trying to you know milk a little more money out of stanley uh right in those moments he was still that guy yeah you know like even if the circumstances became less genuine feeling in the the moments when he interacted with a fan i mean i've i've only seen him twice um i only interacted with him once and uh, the last time i saw him was two years ago and that day was it was very clearly a we're trying to get Stan to go around and do as many visits on free comic book day as possible type of thing mm -hmm. where it was almost you know we weren't even sure if he was going to show up and I've told this story on the podcast before so I'll do a shortened or shortened version of it but the fact was when he did show up and he you know got out of his car he, you know he's an old man he still he looked like a mortal being but when he got out of the car and then saw us all there, like, waiting to say hi to him. Mm -hmm. He straightened up a bit, and he went into Stan mode, you know, that character he created that mm -hmm. everybody loves so much, and he marched over to the group of people we had in front of the store, which was a few different people in costume, myself included, and he saw me, Spider-Man, and he walked, before he said hi to anybody, before his, he, like, checked in with any, you know, personnel there or whatnot, he marched right over to me, and he stuck out his hand, and he said, hey, Spidey, good to see you here, and shook my hand. Oh, and I, I, like, you know, like, started crying inside my mask, which was, it's nice that it's a full face coverage thing, because I was like, oh, my God. 
because he he knew how much that would mean to me. Uh huh. And he also knew that this is a symbol of you know my legacy and you know what people care about. Hey, Spidey's here. Oh, isn't that nice? And yeah. like, and then when I did talk to him later, you know, he signed a thing for me. Um, I didn't have to pay anything because it was I had a, I had a friend who owned the comic book shop who had set up the meeting, which was very very kind. Mm. Mike Wellman at the Comic Bug. He is an amazing dude. If you're ever in Culver City, check it out. Um, <laughs> but uh, when Stan, when I did talk to him face to face, and I did that standard thing, thank you so much for whatnot. He was there. He was genuine. Old guy. He was like 93 at the time. Yeah. But he was. He still like looked me right in the eyes and was very present. And then as I left the table, he kind of called out. He's like, "All right, Spidey, make sure you fight some bad guys too." Like he like on my way out the <laughs> door. And then everybody else was like really excited, and it was magical. It was. Um, it, it, it was one of the best days of my life, really. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, we wouldn't be doing... Look at this show that we do. We wouldn't yeah. be doing this without Stan. No. We, no. I, <laughs> Who knows if I'd even know you. Right. Isn't yeah. that nuts? Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's true. There's almost every... like Because <laughs> without, without Stan, yeah. there would be no Spider-Man. Without Spider-Man, I'm convinced there wouldn't be a Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Without a Buffy the Vampire Slayer, we wouldn't know each other. Right. Because you wouldn't have done that podcast that I listened to. Yep. Right. Yep. yep. Yeah. Like, it's it's cut and dry. And there are, I can probably do a similar, like, blow-by-blow blow of every, like, important relationship I have career-wise that the things that brought us together wouldn't have existed without Stan. Yeah. 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 So Absolutely. we owe him a lot. And uh, I'm, I, I, I'm sure he's in a better place now. I guess. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I think that one of the most heartbreaking things were those last few years where, um, mm-hmm. he was, uh, he was with people who were abusing him, yeah. um, and abusing his legacy and, you know, uh, just, yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think that they, I, what you hear is that they were trying, basically trying to steal his will, essentially. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and like steal his fortune and whatever. Um, however much that actually is, I don't, I don't actually know. Yeah. Um, but it was not, it was not good. It was a bunch of people taking advantage of an old man. Yeah. Um, and it's an old man who lost his wife and was lonely and I think looking for direction and I think they gave him direction, uh, and it was, uh, toxic and it, really made the last couple of his life years of his life kind of uh it seemed pretty miserable yeah and that's not that's not what you want for him yeah it's that's it's not at all yeah um, so um i hope he's reunited with his wife yeah um someone that he was with the, in- his the entire whole, whole time. the whole time <laughs> the whole time um it's amazing uh i mean they they uh they met and she fell in love with him. He convinced her to get a divorce. She filed for divorce. And they flew to Vegas, got married, <laughs> flew back to New York, and he went to work on Monday. Because <laughs> that's the kind of person Stan Lee is. Yeah. yeah. Well, I got to get, get this done. <laughs> yeah. Got to get this done. Got to dictate this marriage to five secretaries. <laughs> So uh, uh, thanks for everything, Stan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I would like to read this last quote oh, because sure. yeah, go for it. Um, <laughs> it's certainly the one. I mean, the other ones are are um, they're amazing and they're they're very heartfelt and they're 
they're about things that really matter. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think that this next quote is my favorite Stan Lee quote. Um, yes. Just because of what it means to me personally mm-hmm. as uh, uh, well, you'll see. Yeah. So um, the quote is, I used to be embarrassed because I was just a comic book writer while other people were building bridges or, or going on to medical careers. And then I began to realize that entertainment is one of the most important things in people's lives. Without it, they might go off the deep end. I feel that if you're able to entertain people, you're doing a good thing. Um, and, you know, that's we're making this silly podcast. Yeah. We- and, but hopefully, you know, we're entertaining you guys. And it, that, that quote always makes me think like, yeah, you know, yeah. like you look at, you look at a time period, like the great depression and it's like, what were people spending money on? Well, booze, oh, but, sure. yeah. but, <laughs> but also movies, yeah. like movies, Hollywood was like the only industry that didn't get hurt during the depression because mm-hmm people wanted to be entertained like oh yeah. for the love of god my life is miserable please entertain me for two hours yeah you know mm-hmm. and they would save and they would make sure that they scrapped together enough pennies to go see a movie every weekend yeah. um because it was it was an escape it gave them it, you know it, it let them concentrate on something else for a while it entertained them and that's that's important because it got us through the depression yeah yeah it's getting me through a lot of mine yeah <laughs> yeah it is and and that's the thing I've I've struggled with myself. It's not um not as direct because I'm not a writer, but uh, yeah. you know, I I my job is an actor. I play pretend for a living. You yeah. know, and that can sometimes feel like a very frivolous, silly pursuit. Um, but stories matter. They matter very, very deeply to people. And um there, there's a thing I think about sometimes, there's this same sentiment here, which is, you know, if you don't think entertainment and the arts are important try going without them for a while Mm -hmm. um what what are we what are we doing with our life if we don't have things that bring us joy it that's an that's a noble pursuit and because it's a noble pursuit and because it's one people care deeply about i think the second half of that feeling is you have responsibility to to do good with it to not just do indulgent things but to do things that matter and help and have meaning and and that people can connect to, um, you know, that that we don't just do dumb stuff for fun. Everybody like like the stuff we do for fun matters. So we better we better do it well. Yeah, yeah. And it really does just go back to the other two quotes that we read. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like it's like yeah, we're gonna do this entertainment stuff, but it matters to people, and because it matters to people, we have a responsibility to. Uh, you know, uh, uh, create messages that mean something that, yeah. that, that matter. And in a way it sort of all wraps up into a nice, nice little bow. It all goes back to with great power. Yeah. There must always come great responsibility. And I, I just think that, you know, more than any other, any other character, I mean, you look at, you look at Doctor Strange and Iron Man and you know that Stan co-created those characters under the the feeling of like sometimes I'm a jerk <laughs> and I I I want to do better. Like that's yeah. I I always want to do better and it's like yeah, it's, he stumbled a lot in that regard, but he always wanted to do better. And and you have uh the incredible Hulk and I'm sure he had he I'm sure he got angry and frustrated a lot, you know? Yeah. Um and but 
I think more than any other character, I really do believe. I mean, even Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four is literally Stan, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Stan, Jack, Joe Simon, um, and uh, and his wife. Yeah. You know, and and, you know, Stan is Johnny Storm. Jack Kirby is Ben Grimm. Joe Simon <laughs> is Mr. Fantastic. And his wife is Sue Storm. That's everything he did was sort of based on his life. That's how he did that. But I don't think any character meant more to his personal philosophy than with great power. There must also come great responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh. Stanley, you know, it's it's just crazy. It's crazy to think that without this guy, we wouldn't have Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, but we wouldn't. And that's uh <sighs> crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, but uh, you know, rest in peace, Stanley. Rest yeah. in legend. Rest yeah. <laughs> um, and uh uh, you know, I I'm just your 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 creations are going to go on forever yeah forever you got a, you got a lot of true believers out here yeah absolutely um all right guys uh so we're gonna wrap this up and um i am sure you will uh hear from us again uh very soon we had um actually somebody ask us about um when we're gonna do the commentary and oh. like like last year <laughs> uh it's going to come out on new year's day so yeah. Um, look forward to that. We've got a commentary for Spider-Man 2 coming up on New Year's Day. Um, and then we will have uh, another hiatus special talking about trailers sometime in the spring um, before we come back next summer. For Spider-Man 3. For Spider-Man 3. Um, and in the meantime, you can hear us on uh, our Patreon feed, uh, duelinggenre.com slash support. $3 a month, become a Patreon member, and um, you'll get the Weekend Bugle. And we, we are gonna, we're literally going to go record one of those right now. Um, so if you want to hear from us uh, every once in a while, uh, that's, that's the best way to do it during the hiatus. Um, and otherwise, uh, we'll talk to you guys on New Year's Day with our Spider-Man 2 commentary. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.